Welcome to the Retreat House Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. I'm inviting people to the Retreat House table to share their story, and I'm so glad you're here to join us. Welcome to the table. Today's episode, since it is Fair Trade Month in October, I thought it would be really great to bring along another fair trade company. And we've had, I've had quite a few. If you go to the website, you can see that there's a whole page of fair trade companies. Uh, and I've talked about being on the Set Apart Committee, the women's conference that's over at the University of Northwestern. We had someone submit uh, to have to bring their boutique to the conference. And as she talked about what her boutique is about and what her business is about, and her heart was starting to show about her heart in it. And I thought, God, there's a story here. And so I just asked her if she would come on the podcast and share her story. And then turn out it's a bucket list item for her to be on a podcast. So, so fun that we're taking so many boxes by doing this episode. So I am so excited to welcome Christine Sandberg to the podcast. She is the owner of Lemonade Boutique. And welcome, Christine. Thanks for having me. You're, I'm so excited. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, when you were telling your story at our set apart meeting, I just felt like there it was almost like passion bubbling up inside of you as you were talking about you know the partners that you have and what you're doing. Is that accurate? Is that what was happening? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I I am most passionate about what I do and a lot of people ask me like when I'm meeting people at our pop-up shops like how do you remember all this information about all your artisans and your, you know, mm -hmm. your partnerships? And I'm like, well, I'm passionate about it. So it's fun to remember. Mm -hmm. It's fun to learn and study. So Well, and to know that you can make a difference with um, like the, exactly the way you had put it during your presentation, that you can make a difference with dollars you're already spending, like Absolutely. things you're going to spend anyway. Yes. Yeah. That's what I love about it. Yeah. So is there anything else that you want to tell us about you by way of introduction? I live in St. Paul with my husband and our chocolate lab mix, Trixie. She's a Aww. new addition to our home. Is um, she still very puppy? Yes, she's about the nine month mark. Okay. So she's still a puppy. But big. Aren't they kind of big by she's that time? She's kind of small. We don't know what oh. she's mixed with. So we're... Not sure what home. she's going to grow into, but <laughs> she's fun to have. And we just bought our first home. And so oh, that's exciting. We're a lot of fun and exciting and new things happening in this stage of life. So very cool. And Lemon Lemonade Boutique yep. is one of them. Yep. The Lemonade Boutique is one of those fun things. Fun things. So take us back to now, because I feel like whenever we look back, it's always 2020. Can you, when you look back, do you go, oh, that's where this started? That's where this passion started. Was there an event or something that happened that launched you to do this fair trade company? Hindsight is twenty twenty, and when I was looking back at my life, I've seen three themes kind of emerge that all directly relate to starting the lemonade boutique. Um, the first one being. I I think I've kind of always had an entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, like in kindergarten, first grade, my mom had a booth at a flea market. I grew up in Florida and I would be right there with her. And I remember, 
you know, putting the displays together and I was in charge of the cash box and giving people back their change correctly. And so I think early on, the seed for being an entrepreneur was planted. Mm -hmm. I remember this one time in middle school, I got this crazy idea to have a backyard fair. And I just... I was so certain that people were going to show up. Mm -hmm. I was like, Mom, can I put out signs? Like, I remember I, like, me and my friend, I roped her into this. We planned to have, like, games and prizes. And I think I had my dog doing tricks. And I was like, we need some entertainment. (laughs) And so I, like, got up on the hay bale and, like, sang for this event. And I am not a singer. You do not want to hear me (laughs) sing at all. But I was just excited about it, and I remember doing that, and so things like that. Well, did people come? You said you expected that people would just come. (laughs) We lived out in the middle of nowhere. I don't know why I thought that. (laughs) I was just so confident in that people will come. I'll put on a fair, and people will come. Um, My parents came. Mm -hmm. Her parents came. I think that was it. (laughs) (laughs) But I just remember spending so much time on it, and... Um, picking out the prizes and making up the games and putting out decorations. And mm-hmm. I so mentioned the entrepreneur spirit is mm-hmm. one theme. And then I've also seen God increasing my awareness of kind of the causes that TLB supports, um, like human trafficking mm-hmm. for like a long time. In high school, I was a part of a speech competition. And the forensics is what it was called in Wisconsin. We moved to Wisconsin in high school. And there were topics that you had to pick from for the particular speech category that I did. And I remember one of them being human trafficking. And Mm -hmm. I picked that topic because I didn't know what the word meant. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't Surprise. know. I don't know what this oh word means. I'll do I'll do human trafficking, whatever that means. And then I studied it and learned about it and prepared a speech about it. And it's not a one and done thing. Like you deliver your speeches over and over, like for the whole school year. Mm-hmm. So that was when I think God like opened my eyes to human trafficking and some of the atrocities that it is in the modern day. And then in college, I Um, went on a missions trip and it was a stateside in the United States missions trip and I came back and I kind of had this weird time not like the full summer off just this time at the end Mm -hmm. and uh, my mom was working for a personal care providing service and she said to me "Um, why don't you work with me and in this you could I could get you a job in this company and I was like Okay, and so I started working with people with disabilities in college that summer, and God blew my heart wide open for people with disabilities and seeing them as... Human. Yeah. People. Mm -hmm. Not their disability, but as people. Mm -hmm. And the special, like, things that they can bring to the table, like, things that most people just look over because all they see is their disability. Mm -hmm. So as far as like an event goes in college, um, also, I remember attending a, an event, it was called jewelry for justice. And I went there and they were selling jewelry and they were saying how this was made by women who were escaped from sex trafficking and I remember thinking for the first time, like, like having my mind 
open to this idea because previously I thought that the only way to help someone who was caught into human trafficking was to either go over there and help like physically, Mm -hmm. like volunteer my time or donate money. I didn't know that there was any other options. And so this was an option that was presented to me that the purchases that we make can employ women so that they can have sustainable yeah. healing through a sustainable income. So that was a pivotal moment for me, mm-hmm. which fun little side story. It was recently I had a friend from church talking to me about the Lemonade Boutique And she said, have you ever heard of war, women at risk, international? And I said, no, I've never heard of them. And she said, oh, well, they also rescue women from trafficking and employ them. I was like, okay. And whenever people tell me about these other companies and organizations, I always look them up because you never know what you're going to find. And I like to Mm -hmm. be knowledgeable and stuff. So I look them up and I see like their logo and it triggers back that event. I was like, they're the ones that put on that Jewelry for Justice event in college. Wow. And I just never knew their name, their company name. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, yeah, I did hear about them. (laughs) They were like a pivotal part of my story. Story. So the, there are these different themes, and it sounds like the different things were happening and kind of building on each other to propel you forward. Yeah. The last theme is that God has strengthened me through adversity. Mm. Business is not for the faint of heart, <laughs> as you know. It is It is hard. If, God, if this was not a God thing, I would have given up by now. Mm-hmm. But God has given me this idea and the ability to pursue it. So I'm going after it. But I've gone through a lot of hard things in my life. And God has always brought me through it and has strengthened me, strengthened my relationship with him through those things. Mm -hmm. And so he's kind of prepared me for the hard thing that running a business is. Well, what an important lesson to learn that He's bringing you through it, and you'll grow stronger instead of becoming embittered or becoming, you know, it driving a wedge between you and God and your, your relationship with God. But you realizing that it's such a gift <laughs> that you've learned that lesson, that it will draw you closer and that he's with you during the whole process of it. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think that entrepreneurial spirit that you said that you had, I mean, I think that like some people just have that the ability to do and grit I guess I would almost describe it as grit to not give up and keep putting one foot in front of the other to keep moving forward so these things are happening and you're learning more about opportunities to to help with human trafficking so what between college and then opening your business starting your LLC what you know what was it that made you finally take that Stop. That's a bit of a story. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I graduated college and went through college really not at all with the idea to run a business. Not at all. Because if I could redo it, I would I could tell my younger self, take some business classes. <laughs> take a marketing class. Why don't you? No. I was an English education major. Oh, okay. And I thought I was going to teach middle school or high school English. And so that's what I pursued out of college. 
I went to high school and college in Wisconsin and came over to the Twin Cities after I got married. I got married right out of college. My husband found a job here in St. Paul, so um, we moved over to St. Paul, and I started looking for a teaching job. And for a myriad of reasons, I just didn't get one. I didn't get the job that I thought I was meant to have. And it was a crippling experience. Mm-hmm. And I, I, like when you're talking about going through hard things <laughs> yes. that prepared you, was that yes. one of them? That was one of the really hard ones. And I was also in a new place with no community. Right. And no friends. I have lots of friends that are not. I'm a Minnesota native. I have lots of friends that are not Minnesota native. And they talk about that it's really hard to crack in because everybody lives close to their family. And even though there's the Minnesota nice, it's like a pleasant, but it's not come on over and have dinner. Was that your experience a little bit? Um, No, it just took a while to meet people when you okay. don't have a job to go to and right. you don't have people to meet. <laughs> right, right. It's even harder to meet people. Um, I've definitely and like find a church to go to it took a while too to find a church yeah it was it was a hard season and so I was in this place of like okay I thought this is what I was meant to do what's going on (laughs) um I started this lineup of really odd jobs Mm -hmm. I started doing substitute teaching and which should make sense like I was trying to get my (laughs) feet in the door Mm mm-hmm I hated it. It went so poorly. Mm. Every day I was dreading it. I hated going in. I hated having my phone on to be called everything I didn't like. It was draining for me. I was like, Mm -hmm. this isn't right. This isn't what I should be doing. And so we made the decision, like, I'm not going to pursue this anymore. Like, I had applied to jobs. I wasn't getting interviews. I wasn't getting callbacks it was bizarre mm-hmm. I was like okay this clearly has like door closed is not what I'm supposed <laughs> right. to be doing and I wrestled for a long time like I thought this is what God told me to do and I thought this is what I was supposed to pursue and I came to a place where I realized like this was what God called me to do during that time mm. and that was the thing I was supposed to do during that time and I did that and every experience I had to bring me to this point was God-given and for a purpose and I did actually have students and I did make an impact on their life it was just for a short while Mm -hmm. so I was like okay I'm not I'm not teaching anymore I was like I need to bring in some income I need to do something to bring in some money and so I started mystery shopping Oh. I was a mystery shopper. I did not know that was a job. <laughs> That's a job. It doesn't bring a lot of money, mm-hmm. but the more you do it, the more you make. Mm-hmm. Um, I started doing that. You basically go into businesses and pretend to be a regular customer, but really secretly you're taking notes about them, like that uh, the marketing materials they have or the time it takes to get through the checkout or sometimes the craziest stuff. But I did that. And I also, at the, simultaneously, all these things kind of overlap. I was doing extreme couponing. Oh, okay. Extreme couponing. Like, cartloads of stuff. You pay $3 and you leave. 
I was doing that because I was just trying to save money. We we're paying off our student loans mm-hmm. and I was like, I just need to save money and I have a lot of time right now. So I was doing that. I did that for about a year and I also started reselling clothes on eBay and Poshmark. Okay. I started buying clothes. I come from a very price conscious family mm-hmm. and upbringing. And so I was like, I already know how to thrift. I can thrift and sell it. And so I started doing that. I, I started with a $20 investment mm-hmm. and I went to some thrift stores and bought some clothes and then sold them. And by gosh golly, they sold. And I was so excited. I was like, I did that. I I bought something and I sold it and the person t- gave me good feedback. They said they loved it. Like it was so exciting to make that first sale. Mm-hmm. Cuz I was like, I could I could like do this and I could like make some real money doing this. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing that. Um basically full time. I was doing that a lot. And that was the thing that started me thinking about business as a viable option. Okay. And I was like, I would love, I love this, like, working for myself, working towards goals that I can set for myself. But how can I make this sustainable mm. and scalable? Because I looked out into my future, and we don't have kids yet, but we'd like to have kids. And I thought, well, when you're reselling items that you buy at the thrift store or anywhere else, like... Your income depends on the item you find, and then you have to bring it home, you inventory it, you clean it, you prep it, you photograph it, you list it, you bag it, you tag it, you bring it, you store it, and then you ship it, and you have to do that for every single item. So it's really dependent on how many items you can do uh, do in Mm -hmm. a week or in a day. And so there's only two ways to scale. when you're taking care of other little humans... Yeah, <laughs> they can there, be pretty. Time yeah, consuming. exactly. There's two ways to scale. You can either purchase more and more and more, but then you run out of time, mm-hmm. or you can keep doing that, but purchase um, higher valuable items. Then you get into like collectibles and mm. high dollar designer stuff. And I was like, well, I don't have access to that kind of stuff, and <laughs> I don't want to be doing this the rest of my life. I don't want to make this into a career for myself. I was like, well, what if I could sell items that instead of I find one item, I have to go through that whole process. I find an item. I do that process once, but I can sell it multiple times. And that's where multiple quantity items come in. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, I could open a boutique. I was like, I could do that. Mm -hmm. And so I started looking One of my strengths is research. And so I've researched, like, how do I open a business? How do I pay taxes? How do I And there's so much to learn. Yeah. How do I do everything, do Mm -hmm. all of it? And so I started researching all that. And then it came to, well, what am I going to sell? And so I started looking at items I could purchase and sell new, new items. And when I looked at it, when I looked at a potential wholesaler I was going to purchase from, I said, why is it that I can buy 10 dresses for $25? Mm. I have sewn in the past 
for recreational use. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not a professional seamstress, (laughs) but I know how much materials cost. I'm like, and how much time it takes. I'm like, there is no way that this item can be, have this much material be shipped from across the world and still make a profit on it before I've even, it's even come to me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what about the people who are making it? They're not getting anything. Right. Yeah, those are such important questions to ask. And I don't think, like, Halloween is coming up. And in the rush, I will just go grab chocolate. And I will not think about it until after I've already purchased it. And then I will think about where is the chocolate coming from? And where are the cocoa beans? And who is harvesting them? And the companies that have said that they would you know, make changes to that process that haven't made. And that's the company that whose chocolate I'm buying. And every year I think, oh, I meant to not do that. And so this year I'm trying to be really purposeful about and mindful about what am I buying? Where is this coming from? What am I supporting by spending my dollars that way? So, so great that you were asking questions about your supply chain right at the beginning when you were starting. Yeah, I just knew I couldn't do that. I just mm-hmm. knew it wasn't right. I was like, I can't. I'll be making more money than the person who sewed it. Like, a lot more money than the person who sewed it. I was like, I can't. I can't do that. And so I said, well, what would it look like to be to do the opposite? Can I, can I order stuff that's been fairly made? Mm-hmm. And so I looked at that, and also, then I looked at... How do I know if it's fairly made? How how do I know who made it was traded fairly? And so I did a lot of research in that. And I remember a dear friend from college really in love with a brand called Elegant Tees. And Elegant Tees hires women who have overcome sex trafficking in Nepal mm-hmm. to make their clothes. And I was like, gosh, I love their clothes. I wonder if I could sell their stuff. And so I reached out to them. Elegant Tees was actually the first company I reached out to. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, you can do that. And I was like, really? <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I can't do anything right now. Mm-hmm. And then it was like a whole year before I could actually got to a point where I could order from them. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of a snowball effect. Once I learned about Elegant Tees, I learned about... Um, different brands like Starfish Project and Rahab's Rope and Three Seams and all these awesome companies that are doing awesome things. Mm-hmm. I thought, what if there was a magical place where you could buy all of it in one store? I was like, well, I don't see that store available to me as a consumer right now where I live. I guess I could make it. And so that's how the Lemonade Boutique kind of got its first like ideas formations. And talk about the name. Why Lemonade Boutique? The Lemonade Boutique is called that partly because everything else is taken, (laughs) but also because we invite you to help these women take life's lemons and make lemonade. I love that. So, and I appreciated too what you said about that when you found out about Elegant Teas, that it was a year later before you were able to put in the first order. When you hear somebody's story, it all sounds like, oh, it was this snowball and everything oh, was no. really fast. And 
but how slow moving it is. And for people, like if there was somebody in, what would you say to that person who's at that step, who can see what they want to do in the horizon, but but they're not there yet? What would you, what, what do you wish someone would have said to you then? Progress takes time is the mm-hmm. most important lesson I am learning right now. Because even though at times it feels like I know what I'm doing or that people see the Lemonade Boutique and they're like, oh, it's complete. It's beautiful. I'm like, we're a baby. We're a baby company. <laughs> we're just getting started. I, I'd say don't give up and just take one step at a time. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. And like you said, it doesn't happen overnight. The only overnight successes you hear about, it took 12 years before that overnight happened. Right, right. 12 years of hard work before that overnight success happened. That wasn't my case, but I mean, I got the idea in 2016 and I was selling stuff on eBay and Poshmark. Mm-hmm. And I filed for my LLC in 2016, December of 2016, as kind of a commitment of like, yeah, I'm doing this and I have my name and this is what I'm going to be. I didn't even get a website until 2017. I didn't launch our first collection until spring of 2018. Mm. Right now it's fall 2019. We're just on our second rotation of products like ever. (laughs) There's still so much we have to learn. (laughs) And um, yeah, we're a baby. What does that look like when you're putting a collection together? I mean, that just must be so fun. That is one of the funnest parts. (laughs) Until you look at the budget. (laughs) It's fun until you look at, oh, I can't get all of the fun things I want. Um, Oh, that's right. I'm an adult and a business owner and have to make adult business owner decisions. (laughs) Yes. I don't have unlimited funds. I'm still, like, learning, like, the seasonality of retail Mm -hmm. and um, when products should be I feel like I just got this like did it right for once was knowing when products are going to be ready to be ordered Mm. and then when they will be delivered so my partners will email me and let me know when their products are expected like hey we should have our catalog in July and then I put it on my calendar such and such catalog in July. In July, I keep my eyes out for more information. And then in July, I get a catalog. Of course, this is stuff for fall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I kind of make notes about what things I want to bring into the Lemonade Boutique. And I kind of look at all of my partners that I have and try to create a collection of products I don't want to end up with all of the same stuff right. from everybody. Mm-hmm. I want it to be a variety of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I place those orders, and then it might be two months before I get those items. Right. And then it's kind of a mad dash to get them onto, onto the website. And then we're an online company, and we also do pop-up shops around the Twin Cities metro area. So to get them online and then get them loaded up in the car to bring them to our (laughs) pop-up shops yeah (laughs) and how many what does that look like how many of those do you do generally in the year well last year we did two this year we've done about 15 
Wow, that is huge growth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Does it feel a little dizzying to try to keep up with? I mean, is it like excitement and terror of, oh, it's growing so fast. Oh, my gosh, it's growing so fast. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not quite at that speed yet. Um, Mm It's it just feels so good. Eight months ago, if you would have asked me how business was, mm-hmm. I would have been on the verge of tears telling you, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can continue on. So it just feels really good at this point when someone asks, like, what do you do? I tell them, like, oh, I own the Lemonade Boutique or a clothing with a claws store. And it feels good to know, like, this is what we're doing and I don't have any doubts about it. That's huge. Yeah. To be able to say what it is that you do. Mm -hmm. And by saying it, you're kind of owning that, to own that by saying it. Yeah, that's huge. I remember when I started podcasting, I launched my first episode and then I went to a leadership retreat and it was small and she had each of us stand up and say what we did. And the woman that was leading it is a friend of mine. And so when I stood up, I like I had to own hosting a podcast because she was going to call me on it if I didn't. But I had just launched one episode. And so it was like imposter syndrome and mm-hmm. all the things. But then to stand up and say, I host a podcast, I think. <laughs> yeah, that can be scary. But it does feel good to get to it because now, so I'm three seasons in, to say, yeah, I host a podcast. Yeah. And to be able to own that is huge. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. So if people, now people have heard the story of Lemonade Boutique, how can they find you? Where would they go to shop? Well, they can go to thelemonadeboutique.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Same names? Yeah, The Lemonade Lemonade Boutique. Boutique. And then how would we find out about your, the pop-ups that you do? If you go to our website, we have an events tab at the top, and you can click on that, and it shows the events that we have coming up. Okay. And we also put our events on Facebook, so if you prefer that method, they're on there, too. Okay. And I'll make sure all of that goes in the show notes, too. Awesome. So people can find it. There are two questions that I ask all of my guests. The first one is, how do you retreat? Which I'm really interested in. And that with all the things that you're juggling with the business, how do you find time to retreat? Or what does that look like for you? On a weekly basis, my husband and I try really hard to take a Sabbath. Mm. This is something we've implemented a couple of years ago when life got really busy with the the business. Mm -hmm. So on Sundays, we try not to do any work. Um, we try not to do any big house projects. Of course, there's like daily things you have to do. Mm-hmm. Like you have to do the dishes. Right. <laughs> you've got to eat something. But we uh, try not to work. And I try not to go on social media. Sometimes I fail at that. But um, just to cut out the noise and to do things that are restful for my body, mm-hmm. taking a break, and also for my soul, recharging. I'm an introvert. And I'm getting to a point with these pop-up shops and stuff where I fill the role of an extrovert well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do a lot of extroverting. So come Sunday, I am pretty tired. 
Um, that's a weekly habit that we try to honor. And then yearly, I, I think two things feed me well, help me rest and retreat. I tried, I like vacations. Mm-hmm. We can't afford vacations <laughs> like very much, but um, just exploring a new city with my husband mm-hmm. for a weekend is really nice. Last year, we combined it with a a business conference in Nashville, and we explored Nashville, and that was really nice. And this year, I pair it, happened to pair it with a pop-up shop in Duluth. I, my favorite. I've the never, North Shore is my favorite. I had never been to Duluth because oh. I'm still relatively new to the area. And mm-hmm. so that was a really restful weekend, even though I worked for six hours on Saturday. It mm-hmm. was it was restful um, exploring that city with him. It's just my, that the North Shore, I say it all the time, is one of my favorite places. And I, and I know that God is always with us. And I think, have you ever heard of the term thin place where it feels like the, like the veil between this world, like this kingdom and God's kingdom is lifted and it feels closer. Like, I know that it's not like he's always with us, but I think my awareness of his closeness is just heightened when I'm in Duluth, when I'm along Lake Superior, because it's just so beautiful. I could go on about the North Shore for forever. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I'm so glad that you had had a good restful experience yes. up there. <laughs> yes, it was very nice. When you were talking about your husband, does he have like a regular Monday through Friday kind of job? Yes. Okay. He's, he is uh, the sales that keeps this boat floating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, he works a regular job in the city and has graciously given me the flexibility to pursue the Lemonade Boutique full-time, mm-hmm. uh, basically since our inception. That makes such a difference. That It does. It does. It's very not all business owners have that freedom that I have and it's just a great gift that he gives me that not everyone has that I really am Mm -hmm. grateful for yeah like a privilege Mm -hmm. it's a privilege you have yes um and then the other question is if you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird to describe something about yourself what would that be um my whole life (laughs) (laughs) is Weird. Um, I've always been called weird in school. Kids threw it at me like as an insult. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I want you to hear that I'm. I'm I, meaning it as a like. I know. A I, good thing. Okay. I never took it as an insult. Oh. Um, <laughs> but they'd always say, hey, "Christine, you're so weird," and I was like, "Oh well." Um, but now, as I'm a little bit older and more mature, <laughs> I I think about you know what normal is. If normal is outcasting people who are different than you or speak a different language than you or look differently than you, or if normal is wearing clothes to impress other people but not being comfortable in your own skin, I don't want to be normal. Mm -mm. I'll proudly always be weird. That's great. That's why that's why it's celebrate weird. Yes. Because I think we those are things we need to celebrate. Yes. When my boys were little, I used to call them my little weirdos. Because they were just weird, and I loved it. And I didn't realize it was a problem until they called a friend weirdo, and I was like, oh, that's Whoops. that's a term of endearment in our family. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
That's great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about the Lemonade Boutique. I Fair trade is something that I've been learning more about. I mean, I still remember when the first time I complimented somebody on their earrings and they got all excited and told me the whole story about the earrings and where they came from and who made them. And I, it was the first time that I realized that I could buy jewelry. I could buy things I would already buy and help make a sustainable, honorable living for a woman to participate in that. So I think what you're doing is so important and I'm so grateful that you came on and shared your story. Well, thanks. I am just the catalyst. Our artisans are the real superheroes that they inspire me. Thank you for listening to the Retreat House Podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find the podcast at at Retreat House Podcast, and you can find me at at Angela Smith MN. Thank you again for joining us, and we will see you next week.